Welcome back to the Scarlet Fever, the Daily Nebraskans' own sports podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Meyer. Alongside with me, as always, is my co-host, Gavin Struve. But today, we have a special guest with us, Ben Droz, our women's basketball beat writer for the Daily Nebraskan. He's been helping us out with a lot of the coverage this year. He's joining us today. Ben, how are you doing? Doing great. Awesome. Glad to have you along with us Today, we're going to be diving into a little bit of Nebraska women's basketball. They're kind of the midseason coming down the stretch here. Um, so we're going to talk about that and later get into some other Nebraska sports. But I'm just going to start it off. Ben, you've been covering Nebraska women's basketball. This is your first year doing it. What's the experience been like? Have you enjoyed it? Um, and do you have any you know things you'd like to point out about your time doing it? It's been really fun watching this team grow throughout the season. Um, they've had to deal with a lot of injuries, but I think they've really done a nice job throughout this bat down this last stretch and they've been really fun to watch I think you've you've been on quite a few games now do you have a specific game that stands out to you where you start watching the game and you say wow this is awesome I love covering this sport is there a specific game to you where that happened a certain memory that sticks out for you um I'm just going to go to my first game I watched with them mm -hmm. which was the opening game against Omaha where they scored 100 points I mean that was <laughs> yeah. just really fun game to watch just to like see everybody on the team like everybody played and just getting to see what they could all do because they were sharing the ball around a lot and it was just fun to see everybody show what they could do so what's changed since the start of the season I guess how have your expectations changed in the what almost three months since there's been a lot of a lot of highs a lot of lows I think they're viewed not quite as highly as they were then when they were um preseason top 25 but I guess what is what have you learned since then? Um, I've learned I've always had high expectations since the beginning of the season, but um, I've learned that while they haven't been getting a whole lot of like top twenty-five wins, they can hang with anybody. Like they've shown that, like against Iowa, they outplayed Iowa pretty much in three of the four quarters. It's just the one quarter that they did not play the best. They can hang with anybody. It's just can they play 48 minutes of basketball to be able to beat those top teams? Mm -hmm. We saw that with against Maryland early in the season, where and that was a that was a massive win for the program. Um, you'd covered the uh, Northwestern game this week, and you did your takeaway. You did your takeaways, um, and you talked about how you feel that the team needs to learn how to finish. And there's been a couple games this year, like you said, the Iowa game, a couple other games this week where. Feels like everything's going along and something falls apart at the end. Do you think that's something that's going to be able to be fixed by the time they get to, hopefully for them, the NCAA tournament or, uh, you know, down the stretch here? Or is that kind of something that's going to plague them throughout the rest of the year? Um, I think it's something that will get better as the season continues to go along. Um, this team has had to deal with some injuries, and I think that's really kind of derailed their chemistry a little bit. Not a whole lot, but um, I think that's kind of been one of the main issues is they've been really integrating Sam Hybe now into the offense. So, like, getting the, t the offense to consistently produce has been kind of a struggle, especially when the, te the other team's defense tightens up in the fourth quarter. It's can we get a good shot up? Like, it's – and turnovers have also been a problem, and I think that's always been a problem all year. I don't think that's really going to change. It's just can they bounce back when they do turn the ball over three times in a row. Can they just put their heads down and keep going? Yeah. I mean, so as of this morning, um, I don't know. I think the movement was negligible. They're still projected per ESPN's bracketology as 
Um, one of the last four teams in the NCAA tournament field if the season ended today. Um, so they've got six games left, seven for sure. Um, I'd say if they if they only have seven games, if they lose in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, probably doesn't bode especially well for their postseason chances, um, which out, without knowing anything else about how the regular season ends. I guess what are a couple games you have circled on the remaining schedule um, that'll be most important for their tournament chances? Um, I'm just looking at games on this upcoming schedule that are away. This team has struggled on away games. This team has been really good at home, but it's been the away games that they've struggled. So coming up, they have number 12 Michigan right now at Michigan. That's going to be a really tough game. Um, I'm not saying they have to come away with the win in that game to be able to make the tournament, but they have to show that they can play with them there. And then at Minnesota, that's going to be a big game. That I real, It'd be really bad if they'd lose that one. And then at Illinois, um, Illinois is really trying to sneak into that top 25. Um, that'd be a really quality win if they could get a win at Illinois. Yeah, two games with Illinois coming up, yep. one at home on the 9th and then one away on the 22nd. What do you have you done any have you I don't know if you've seen much of what Illinois does this year, um, but like you said they're going they're about to get into the top twenty five. Um, do you think that's a game that Nebraska can win at home first? I know you talked about away game struggles, but this team has been better at home. Um, do you think that's a game that they can win and, and tally off? They've had an impressive stretch over the last couple weeks and improving. Do you think that's something they can do? I definitely think this upcoming home game against Illinois is definitely winnable, and if they do win that that'll give them a lot of confidence in this tough stretch they have coming up. I mean, and then they're also playing number five, Iowa, at home. And that's also going to be a tough game. But they played Iowa really tough away, too. So, I mean, how they do on this upcoming stretch is really going to determine if they end up in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I guess I'll counter you there. I think, obviously, all these games are important, um, given their um, pretty um, uncertain footing right now. Um, but the games that stick out to me the most are the home games against Illinois and Iowa. Um, and uh, the, fir- the former one being the next game. Um, so Illinois seems to be in slightly better seating than Nebraska. They're out, right outside the top 25 right now. Um, that's almost a game, given what you kind of outlined before, that I almost go as far as to pencil on a loss when they go to Illinois in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So beating them at home, I think, will be super crucial to whatever they want to do. Um, and then I guess you hope you get that road win against Minnesota. I don't know your odds at Michigan. Um, Nebraska's played Michigan pretty well in recent years, so maybe um, uh, maybe they pull an upset there. Um, but, yeah, and then that game against Iowa, which they've been touting, it seems like, for a few months now, the athletic <laughs> yeah. department. Um, huge one, Nebraska. Um, I don't know if they've beaten uh, Caitlin Clark before um, off the top of my head. But, yeah, that'll be a huge one. That one, um, no one game is going to make or break their season at this point, but that's a massive one. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess anything else um, with the schedule you know to spend before we, um, I guess, dive a little deeper into this team? Yeah, if I was to pick one game that's the biggest one on their remaining schedule, it's definitely this upcoming home game against Illinois. Okay. I think that's, like, if they can get that win, um, I'm not saying, like, the rest of it doesn't matter, but that would really bode well for their chances of making the tournament. Yeah, Minnesota and Northwestern are winnable games. You saw them beat Northwestern away. This week, Minnesota is probably the easiest game left on their schedule. 
Um, but it, it'll be fascinating to see because, like you said, they've been touting that Iowa game so much you know, over the last month and advertising and getting, trying to get people to come. And then they came out pretty well against Iowa, and it was a competitive game that was nationally televised, and it came down to the end, but they were not able to do it. We've kind of touched on these injuries a little bit, and I want to dive into that because I know you wanted to talk about this. Um, injury-stricken team, much like the men's team. Um, Sam Hybe not supposed to play this year. Injury's not as bad. Widener, up-and-coming star, looked great last year, going to be you know putting that starting role with, Sam, with Hybe out. And then Widener goes down. Hybe's kind of not necessarily filling in for Widener here, but she's kind of come on as of late. So what have you seen? How has this team grown from the injury? And, you know, how have they overcome these, these step backs that they had early on in the season? Yeah, um, Sam Hybe's definitely been huge with filling. I mean, not really filling, but, like, replacing Widener so far. I, I mean, I would have to wonder what they would do if they wouldn't have gotten Hybe back for the season. I think Colin Hake would have a much more substantial role. But, yeah, Hybe's been really good in replacing Widener. And it's it's like, it's like been tough developing chemistry, but, like, the Widener injury really set this team back, I would say, like, pretty much a whole month. Like, yeah. they've had to regain chemistry with her, but they've been playing really good recently. And um, I think they have a real chance in, in their next game against Illinois, especially if Hybe keeps playing like she has been. Yeah, I think Sam Hybe's definitely the most interesting story in this team. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not the best player as she's been in the past, but her career arc is pretty wild to me. Um, I remember when I first started the men's basketball beats um, and kind of monitoring women's basketball um, adjacently, she was the best player on that, what would that have been, 2021 team. Um, and they were, I think, right outside the NIT. They were a solid team. Um, then last year, you know, she's one of their, I'd say, three most important players on a and so a tournament team, um, and then another um, knee injury comes back sooner than expected this year. Um, yeah, I mean, that was that was just really interesting how that played out. Um, her coming back almost, I mean, just a couple weeks in the season, um, playing, you talked about it in your um, takeaways last night, playing pretty sparse minutes, um, those opening games, and then really coming on in recent weeks. I guess, how have you seen her progress um, and progress seems like a weird word for someone who was already <laughs> an established NCAA mm-hmm. borderline star. I would just say her confidence. You know, when you come off of an injury like that, um, your confidence definitely can be altered a little bit. But she's been she's been gaining more and more confidence as the game has been as the games have been going on, and um, I think that's been a really big one. But also, her defense has been really good. The most underrated thing of both Widener and Hybe, in my opinion, is their defensive impact that they make for this team. When they lost Widener, like, the defense was not as good. But Hybe has been really good, especially these last two weeks on, def- on the defensive end, and that's really, I think, is in the ceiling of this Husker team. Mm-hmm. You talk about that and in the Big Ten, third in average points per game given up. Um, so pretty strong on the defensive side. They're, they've needed that, though, because 11th on offense. Uh, so I like that you brought that up. I, it was always interesting to me because going into this season, so much hype um, kind of came out, and the team kind of came out of nowhere. You've got some of these two really strong freshmen that are going to develop. Um, then Hybe goes out, and Widener goes out. 
Hybe, I remember I was at the, I believe, Tarleton game when Hybe came back in for a couple plays and everyone's just in the arena kind of shook like we didn't see this coming. Let's talk about Shelly and Markowski here. Um, obviously the two biggest names on this team. Which one do you feel like needs to step up their game as the most going down the stretch here? I'm definitely going to say Shelly. Mm -hmm. This whole offense, like Markowski is going to get her touches. They're going to try to get her the ball. But this offense runs through Jazz Shelly. When she is at her best, she's distributing the ball well, she's shooting the ball well, and she's driving in and creating opportunities for other people. So when Jazz Shelly's playing at her best, this team can beat anybody. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of just fascinated to see how this plays out and um, the rest of the season being where Nebraska stands right now. Um, and obviously, Shelly's a pretty big part of that. Um, kind of took a scoring dip, still had a pretty sizable impact the last month or so, um, playmaking, and you can still definitely see her impact on the court even when she's not putting up um, as great of um, point outputs. But, uh, yeah, um, I'd say the thing I'm most um, intrigued and kind of excited for is just it sounds kind of um, – I don't really have a better word for it than um, sadistic, but just kind of seeing Nebraska progress on the bubble – and it's almost more interesting if they stay there. Um, it kind of makes your role more interesting, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'm, I have a weird fascination with the NCAA tournament bubble and seeing how that kind of shakes out. Um, and I don't remember the last time a Nebraska team, um, probably since uh, maybe a women's team five years ago or so, but probably since the men's team in, uh, what was it, like 2013 made it, that has been this squarely on the bubble. Um, the women's team was in a little more comfortable footing for much of last season. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, again, we said ESPN has them in right now. Um, that doesn't mean anything because they're not the committee, but um, it shows that they're right right on the edge. So um, who knows? And I kind of anticipate them staying there for the rest of the season. So excited to see. Um, excited to keep up with your coverage, Ben, and um, – see where they go from here. Anything else you want to add? Yeah. Um, I would say for their tournament resume, I think the biggest thing this season is while Nebraska hasn't gotten those like big ranked wins against top 25 teams, they haven't really had any bad losses either. Like This is a team that when they're supposed to win, they show up and perform. The only, the only bad loss that I can think of on the year is was against Rutgers. And um, but that's, that was a while ago. I mean, they've been playing really good on this stretch and they've beaten the teams that they're supposed to. And they've really um, played the top 25 teams really good. They, Iowa, they gave Iowa a fight. And same thing with Ohio State. They had a really bad first quarter against Ohio State, but um, they really came back and finished strong against that team. So um, I'm excited to see what they can do down the stretch. Yeah, you're spot on there. If I'm correct, the only two non top 25 losses they have on the year were at Drake, that was kind of a weird one at the beginning of the season, and then that Rutgers game, and every single other loss is ranked, and ranked pretty highly. Mm -hmm. um, there's you know Michigan, Indiana, Ohio State, Maryland, Iowa. So interesting, interesting down the stretch here because they've got some ranked teams, but also some teams that they could beat. Definitely like the bubble watch, like you said, Gavin, is going to sell tickets down the stretch, especially that Iowa game and some of these big home games where you might need this game to get into the tournament. 
Um, it will be definitely exciting going down the stretch here. Can't wait to watch and see how this team finishes out the season. Ben, thanks so much for joining us. We were glad to have you on for your first time on the podcast. And uh, you've been doing great work with the uh, women's basketball beat this semester so and this whole year. Um, so we really appreciate you. Yep. Thank you. Uh, right after this, we will be back to discuss more on Husker sports, men's basketball, and track. Thank you so much, Ben, again, for joining us and talking with us about Nebraska women's basketball. Now we're going to transition into the lesser of the two teams on the men's side. Kevin, I don't know about you, but I do not think Nebraska men's basketball is going to be making the tournament or anywhere near the bubble. It's been an interesting season, to say the least. Yeah, probably not going to make a tournament stretch, uh, tournament run down this stretch run, but... Um, there's always a Big Ten tournament. We always, saw, we've seen Georgetown do it. There's always Chicago. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe at full strength, probably not. At full strength, this is probably an NIT team, I think. Mm. They're good enough for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been at least enjoyable to cover a competitive team yeah. this year, I'd say. Hoiberg's best team. Can we say that By now? far, yeah. I mean, measurably now after picking up their 11th win for the first time under right. ever under him. Especially with all the injuries and, you know, yeah. issues that have gone on. Um, I think it's pretty easy to say that it's – I mean, it's he's moving in the right direction. Got his blue chip recruit last year and now got a competitive team this year. Um, I think his – I don't know about you. I think his job is firmly safe at this point. Um this week was this week was interesting. It was fun. The Penn State game, I, I, me and you both thought that they had a really good chance to beat Penn State, mm-hmm. and it was it was an upset. I'm not sure what the spread was there. I wasn't paying attention to that, but yeah, it was like four or five. So. You were in the building. I was watching on Big Ten Network at home, and the Big Ten Network guys seemed to, you know, we we talked about this. They were just selling the game kind of as this massive Nebraska upset. They kind of seemed like they had no no belief that Nebraska could even compete in this game. They were saying things like, this is an unbelievable matchup and or unbelievable win, and nobody outside of the Nebraska's locker room thought they would win this game. And me and you were sitting there like, we kind of did. I mean, I remember you saying they played with Penn State on the road and at home it's just a different environment. Yeah. What was the environment like, first of all? Yeah, I mean, it was the, – the whole arena was pretty into it. Um, I wouldn't say it was the most raucous um, – I've seen it this year, but I'd say – probably top five, mm-hmm. um, which is fair. Um, home game against a winnable home game down the stretch run in conference play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hopefully that gets fans geared up for, um, what is it, four home games remaining. Um, all of them are definitely winnable, some more than others. But, yeah, I mean, that that win definitely showed that, um, confirmed that this was Fred's best team. Yeah. Um, they lost four straight hadn't won since both of their, um, I'd say both of their best defensive players went down, mm-hmm. um, Ben and Gary. So, um, yeah, I got to that 11th win, fourth win in conference play, and they're not even in the bottom two in the Big Ten standings. No. Ohio State is having a struggle bus of a year, to say the least. I'm assuming they're going to be uh, at the not the bottom of your power rankings, but uh, down there again uh, behind Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tough for Buckeye fans there. You could probably make a case to move Nebraska above Penn State, too. Oh, yeah. Um, now, I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. They're one and one against each other. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is uh, – it, it was a – had to feel like a good win for mm-hmm. Nebraska. Um, Penn State's pretty good this year. They're a bubble team. Um, I 
feel like we've said I've said that word probably <laughs> fifteen times on this it's pod. Episode, yeah. Um, I was just reading a Bubble Watch column um, right. before this. To be fair, as one does. So yeah, as was as one does this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was that was a good win. I wouldn't call it a signature win, um, but it was impressive. And um, now looking down the rest of the schedule, um, kind of as we did the women. So they've got seven games left. The men do. Um, and I'm kind of looking a lot more closely at the home games. Given, yeah. Given this team's home um, home away split is more, I guess, is a bigger gap between their records there than most teams. Um, what's, what of these home games stands out most to you um, left? Uh, that's tough. I mean, I... I want to say Minnesota just because I think that's the most winnable game left. Yeah. I don't know that. At this point, it's just which which matchup can it you know light up PBA and and get them rolling. I don't know that that game will necessarily do it since Nebraska will probably be favored. I would assume at that point Minnesota's not been great. Um, but as always, I just Nebraska Wisconsin matchups are always always fun to watch. Yeah. Um, in pretty much every sport, I, there's a little bit of this rivalry going on that it's not a not a built rivalry it's not one of the ones that the Big Ten handed to Nebraska necessarily Mm -hmm. but seems like whenever Wisconsin and Nebraska play there's kind of this bad blood there um last year Nebraska beat them in their building to kind of shock them at the very end of the season that was you could say a signature win for that team and this time it's at home um Wisconsin coming in here Wisconsin's not nearly as good as they were last year um in my opinion at least but it's definitely a, a, a winnable game, but still a quality enough opponent where a win would mean a lot. So I, I'd probably say Wisconsin at this point, especially of the home games left. Iowa games obviously going to be massive, but not at home. Nebraska's yeah, already taken care one. of them once this year. So what about you? Um, yeah, I mean, Wisconsin definitely definitely a solid pick. Um, I'll probably say Michigan State. Okay. Um, part of that's personal because it'll be um, most likely my last – Home game covering, um, yeah, it will definitely be if I cover it. My last home game covering uh, Nebraska ball, um, and I think it's kind of cool that it's on a weekday because, as I was complaining to you about the other day, pretty much all of these home games <laughs> are weekend games. Yeah, left. Um, Wisconsin three p.m. Saturday. That's yeah. a f- that's a football kickoff time. It is. I don't mind that. I don't mind the midday Saturday. No. Sunday is super inconvenient for our editing right. schedule. Um, and yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State, um, pretty um, enjoyable team to watch, too, with their uh, two point guards that play together mm-hmm. and um, a team that routed Nebraska. But I feel like Nebraska could play with and beat at home, so yeah. that would be interesting. Michigan State, I thought, I mean, when they, they challenged Purdue pretty well there early on, and they've kind yeah. of fallen off here. So that's another one of those ones where it's a winnable game. I mean, I, I don't see a – non-winnable game necessarily. I think Rutgers is going to be tough because that environment, I mean, talk about environments, the Rutgers just lights up for their basketball team. Yeah. Don't know why they can't do that for football, but that'll be tough. But definitely a bunch a bunch of winnable games down the stretch here. Um, I, w- I want to talk about, in this Penn State game, and you were there, so tell me, tell me what it was like. I didn't get to actually watch every single second of the game. What is going on with Tominaga, man? I mean, this guy, something in him. I mean, we were looking at this in my sports data class about 
the most uncharacteristic shooting performances. Really? And he didn't really even come close to the top of the list, which was crazy to me. He was like 18 points above his average, and there were guys that had scored like 28, 29 points above their average on the year. But, I mean, when he gets in this fever, he just it, – it is, it is electric to watch. You wish that he could pull that out of his bag every night if you're Nebraska, but – that obviously isn't going to happen. Tell me what it was like watching him just chuck things up and, and he could not miss. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And, um, I mean, everyone loves K-Shea. Right. He's, like Fred Hoiberg was talking about, he's a pretty um, infectious personality, and you can see it on the court. Um, so it's fun to watch him play, and it's certainly fun to watch him cook like that, <laughs> um, like K-Shea cook. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty It was pretty impressive Um I mean, it was pretty well spread out throughout the game. It wasn't like he dominated one half or the other. Um, it was kind of streaky where it wasn't like he did it all at once or like ever disappeared. Mm-hmm. But there was, in the second half especially, there was a couple 5-0 runs he went on um, to kind of extend that lead. Um, and he didn't score um, a ton in the last like three or four minutes. I think he only scored once. Um, which maybe is a good sign they didn't need him to. Um, in the final minutes, it was relatively comfortable mm-hmm. enough lead. Um, never really is for Nebraska, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it w- it was pretty. I guess what I'm saying is a pretty well balanced scoring effort all around um, throughout when he scored and you know hitting what was it six threes and seven twos something like that. Um, I was pretty impressed. What did you see from? Um, the vantage point of yeah. your home. I mean, obviously, the announcers were going crazy for him, yeah. which is rare because I rarely see Big Ten announcers, you know, kind of, you know, goad over these these Nebraska players. It's usually someone on the opposing side. Uh, but it, it was electric. There were two that stood out. The one where he's on the right side and kind of just ch- heaves it up, mm-hmm. running to his right, and it goes in. Almost then, looked like a bad shot. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then the one where, obviously the one where he got it blocked, gets his own rebound, and then drills it. He is an infectious personality. But I think the threes, we kind of saw that at times last year. We've seen that this year. But his development getting to the rim mm-hmm. is is really special because last year he did not do that. And he was not – and obviously it was a team with two very, you know, Two other guys that are going to drive to the paint in case they kind of just needed to stand yeah. on, stand behind the, the line with McGowan's and Verge. But he, his ability to just kind of lose – defenders just lose him behind there, and I don't know if that's just because he's smaller or what, but just – and then there's open, open lanes for him to just lay it in, and he rarely misses layups. We've yeah. seen some bad missed layups from this team this year, um, especially lately with Walker, which I want to touch on in a second. But he rarely misses these, and, and they're, they're pretty – Pretty tough layups. He, I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's doing reverse layups and under under uh, duress. So it, it was it's been incredible. Um, I hope that he is back next year for another season of this. Um, what I wanted to talk about Walker is it it's been not his ability to impact the game. I feel is still there, but I feel in the last, especially over that four game losing streak. I just wanted more for him. I don't know if that was just me from a vantage point of expecting him to just dominate the paint. Um, what have you seen from Walker lately, and, and do you think that he is kind of leaving some gas in the tank there? 
Yeah, I'm not too concerned about it, to be honest. Um, I'd say this last game was the first one where it was, um, and maybe it was because I was more up close, but it was the first one where I was really um, concerned because, you know, um, the Illinois loss, he was in foul trouble, Mm -hmm. um, played pretty well against Maryland, um, and then also, um, I guess the Northwestern game was kind of rough too, but that was kind of the first, that was kind of the first aberration of the season for him, largely. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Watching watching that game Sunday, um, there were a couple ga- there were a couple shots that you know looked like bad shots, which you don't see often from mm-hmm. him. Um, you kind of give him the benefit of the doubt because he's he's so good with angles and right. um, you know give putting the right spin on the ball. It almost kind of harkens me back to um, Doug McDermott days, you know, growing up in Omaha, um, those twenty ten Creighton teams. But um, yeah, I mean, I. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I'm not super concerned by it. Um, playmaking was still there, as evidenced by seven assists, and um, good to see them still perform well when he was struggling. Um, but yeah, hopefully it doesn't damage his confidence too much. Yeah, I mean, it's almost interesting. He, he seems to perform well against these dominant bigs. Yeah. I mean, from what I've seen, he's one of the only guys that's been able to square up with Edie this year um, in the paint. And I don't know if that's just because they're so used to having a guy that's seven foot on them and he kind of just ducks under. And, you know, we've seen that signature kind of duck under and lay it in over the outstretched arm. Um, he wasn't able to do that against Penn State, really. I don't know if that's because they don't have a dominant post presence. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say I'm concerned. Obviously, he's a senior. This is the you know end of the ride for him. Um, but it, it would it, I guess there have been games where I've seen so much from him that it's like if we were getting 20 points a night from him, like I know he's cap- like I know he's capable of scoring 20 points. Yeah. It would almost be like this is an added bonus. Um, any other specific guys you want to touch on uh, on this team? No, um, it's been cool to see uh, Joe Marcus Lawrence yeah, really. Yeah, that was who I want to talk about. Yeah. yeah, it's been cool to see him factor into the rotation. Um, you know, showing a lot more mm-hmm. uh, juice um, playmaking-wise and defensively, athletically in general um, for a guy that was mostly built as a shooter coming in. Um, and then another guy um, who you hinted at, who I kind of keep forgetting to factor into the equation moving forward is Ramel Lloyd, who's redshirting. Um, and as you noted, was, you know, the big recruit, I think one of the five biggest recruits Nebraska ever gotten. Um so with these freshmen, Lawrence and Dawson, um, you know, kind of coming on and being forced to contribute more and doing pretty well in their larger roles, um, it's, I guess, a little more comforting um, as someone who covers this team to know that they have another talented freshman to lean on next year with so many mm-hmm. people leaving. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I think we've overlooked maybe a little bit, at least with Dawson and um, Hoiberg, how sitting last year, you know, we kind of didn't expect much from them coming into this year. And they've been not necessarily, you know, impacting the game in massive ways, but they don't look lost out there. They don't look like they don't belong on the court. Um, like we've said, they've been competitive in these games. Usually a team with this many, with this inexperienced of a roster is going to get run off the floor a lot of times in Big Ten basketball because the Big Ten is so experienced there's so many guys who have, you know, been in it for four or five years at this point. So it's it's encouraging to me to see these younger guys stepping up. And I know we've talked about it 
at length before, but it's it was nice to see it finally culminate in a in a victory uh, against Penn State. We haven't seen that since Ohio State, so I expect a couple more wins down the stretch. I don't know what your expectations are going forward. I th- I mean, from my perspective, the Big Ten tournament, there are winnable games that they're going to be able that they're going to be facing in the first couple rounds. Yeah. Um, especially if they can avoid that bottom where they would have to go against Purdue and maybe even avoid uh, Indiana in the second round. So there's winnable games going down the stretch, obviously not a tournament team. You would have liked to see an NIT berth this year. Those aren't going to happen unless they win the Big Ten. But um, I think, I think it's, it's moving in, the positive, in a positive direction. It's something that Hoiberg's going to build off of. He will have to build off of it, though. This can't be the peak of of his uh, existence as a Nebraska basketball coach. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of bouncing off that, it's it's almost more impressive that they've had um, a solid season this year in this Big Ten landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say, by and large, the Big Ten's watered down this year because there's, you know, no one. There's two other teams in the top 25 this week besides Purdue, but it's, it's pretty much been Purdue mm-hmm. and everyone else. And I don't think you can really convince me that even – the gap from Indiana to I don't it's gotten larger, but I don't think the gap like at least talent wise from Indiana to Ohio State's that big. Yeah. Um, so the fact that Nebraska has been able to get a few wins against uh, when there's no teams to beat up on besides Minnesota, um, it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Whereas in past years, there's better teams in the top and middle, but the bottom's bad, and there's really no bottom besides Minnesota now. So that's been impressive. Um, Let's do this. We haven't really – I'll put you on the spot here. We haven't really done this since football season, but um, next home game, Saturday, Wisconsin, What do you th- who do you think wins? Honestly, I think – I like Nebraska in this one. I think that they are – the energy of the home crowd is going to benefit them. We saw them go on that road stretch, and it was not pretty – and they came home and got got the victory done. So I'll go with Nebraska just for the sake of they beat them last year with a inferior roster and a better Wisconsin yeah, team. And I think this this last game kind of lit a little bit of a fire under Nebraska. Definitely going to be some losses down the stretch. Can't get too ahead of myself. But I'll take Nebraska there. What about you? I think I'm in the same boat as you. Um, I, think, I think I'm feeling pretty similar to, um, I guess, with the – analytical consensus of this game is which has nebraska as like just above a coin flip odds of winning this game um bpi has them at 53 percent ken palm has them as a one point favorite um which is pretty wild to see i guess in general um that favorite over wisconsin like this mm-hmm. um wisconsin kind of in similar situation at penn state where they've kind of long shot odds at the NCAA tournament um bubble team uh yeah but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, Chucky Hepburn, how he does in this game. Yeah, um, first time in Lincoln, I believe, right? Or did, they, did he play last year? Yeah, that's what I was I think I check. probably I wasn't here. I don't remember if they – I think they played twice last year. Um, it looks like they did, yeah. Okay. But first time in Lincoln – That was over winter break. First time in Lincoln as a leading scorer. Right. Um, so, so the storylines are still there. Yeah, so that's probably the biggest storyline of this game. Um yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. I think it's a good matchup. I think um, definitely a winnable game for Nebraska. Um, probably their second most winnable game remaining um, after the home game 
against Minnesota. So, yeah. Yeah, if they win that, I mean, there's a chance they beat Minnesota and pick up an up, another upset. So could be up to three games left, I think. That would be – I guess that would be my peak for them, three more wins. Yeah, 14 wins total, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. That would be seven Big Ten wins. That would yeah. be – that would be pretty good. Yeah. So there, there's some winnable. Where did you have Wisconsin in your uh, power rankings last week? Last week I had them 10. I've been steadily dropping them about two spots every week. <laughs> and I think. It's been rough as of late. I yeah, think. I'm going to have to go and look at it. Um, but I think I'm probably going to put Michigan above them this week. Um, if Their they're only win since January 17th was Ohio State by five. Yeah, and they Tough were stretch. two. They were number two in um, week. Um, I think week one, I had a number two. Yeah, well, my football rankings, I had a couple teams at number two that didn't finish the season that well. So, actually, probably not number two. But anyway, anything else you want to touch on uh, basketball? No, um, I have a hard transition for you, though. Yeah. Um, another Wisconsin team ranked number two in the Big Ten is the women's track and field team oh. because they are second to nice. Nebraska. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when I've are, been, When are the track and field power rankings coming out? Might be, that might be a little niche we oh, should tap into. Okay. Um, I don't really know how you quantify all that. but um, <laughs> No, you have to watch every single meet. Yeah. So you have to sit there and watch eight hours for however many. Big Ten teams are. Yeah, yeah thanks. Um, <laughs> I consider myself pretty tapped into track and field. Um, definitely more so on the distance running side. But, um, yeah, I've been pretty impressed by both Nebraska track and field programs this year. Um, definitely a good time to be involved with Nebraska track. Um, them building that. I don't know if they're still – I think – I haven't heard otherwise, but, you know, they were planning on having that big Olympic-like sports village mm-hmm. by Devaney. Um, either way, the new track's going to be finished this spring. Um, but yeah, this indoor season, they're doing really well. Um, women are ranked 18th nationally, which is first in the Big Ten, as I said. And the men are fifth right now, pretty much up with all of the SEC schools, um, which is pretty crazy to see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's mostly been on the backs of their throws team, um, which is also really good on the women's side. Um, I guess that kind of that kind of makes sense. Fits the Midwest, sorry, Midwest <laughs> ethos. That's that's why I messed up with the th- right. there. Is because I was going to say ethos, um, but yeah, I mean it's it's the throws team and um, a little combination of everything else. They've got Mason Connor, the number two high jumper. Um, they've got a couple really strong hurdlers. Um, one of whom I recently wrote about that comes out on. I think that'll be out. That'll um, be out by the time. Concurrently, yeah, same day as this pod. Um, But yeah, I did a feature um, this week on Nebraska, brought in a handful of um, transfers this season, pretty much all of whom were Jamaican. Mm. um, And three of of whom, the reason was because they followed their coach from Kansas State to Nebraska. Um, Another one came separately. He came from South Dakota. Um, so, yeah, I profiled um, the two men's additions. Um, Kavian Kerr um, is the K-State transfer, and Brighton Sr. is the South Dakota transfer. Um, Kavian is a long jumper, um, also a sprinter, and then Brighton is a hurdler. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, both are going to be having, I would assume, a pretty big impact on a track program that is already surprisingly doing really well. Um, I think the goal is probably double Big Ten championships, indoors and outdoors this year. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, top any top 10 finish at the national meet would be really impressive. But I mean, when you enrolled here, did you think you were coming to a track and field school? No, um, but I did think I was coming to a school that has a lot of, um, we'll say, resources in the athletic department. Yeah. And that may be because of football, but the other programs are outpacing football and men's basketball by a lot. It seems like every other sport at Nebraska is good yeah. or at least solid other than those two. So, that, I mean, that's interesting. I, you know, we got volleyball has been great. Wrestling is up there, track and field. Um, softball and baseball should be really solid this year. Yeah. So excited to see after men's basketball finishes. We might have some uh, good finishes for Nebraska sports down the stretch here. Good stuff with your uh, track and field feature or profile. Um, anything else you got to touch on? No, I think that about covers it. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to Ben Droz for coming on and talking with us about Nebraska women's basketball. We will be back next week to talk the latest around the world of Husker sports. Thank you so much for listening.